It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 with Adele, who kicks ass. What a voice. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. It's time for the Rumors segment. Not the Fleetwood Mac album. The Rumors segment on the Lowdown. We do not have a name yet, which is... um, is vexing the right word? Galling? Uh, one of those things. Not frustrated. I'm not frustrated. But I would like to have the name. Because there's intrigue about the Oilers recall. We know, based on what management and coaching have said, there's a plan to recall a defenseman. They've been running with six. So they can afford to, as I understand it, recall a defenseman today and then head out on the road. They've got a road game tomorrow. So we're assuming there's going to be a name soon. Probably waiting for Gregor's show or Bob's show. I mean, these things line up. You know, you stack them and rack them. But I would like to know the name of the player being recalled. There is some intrigue, and I'll tell you why. Um, Brett Kulak banged up a little bit. And some other guys on the defensive group who are maybe not 100%. And so that brings the idea that, I mean, if somebody's going to play, maybe you play Philip Broberg. He has played extremely well in Bakersfield. But if nobody's going to play, it might be Ben Gleason again. It could be, uh, I don't, I think Cam Zanin is hurt. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are, are banged up a little bit down in Bakersfield too, but they are very deep on defense. And a lot of candidates are down there. Marcus Nemaline and Phil Kemp's never been recalled. Broberg, as I mentioned, there's some guys. And, and I think the guy with the biggest future, aside from Broberg down there, is a guy named Max Warner, who's a rookie. I don't think he would be recalled, but it's an interesting conversation that Oiler fans can have today. I wrote about every prospect in the order system. It took me like night and day, day and night, as the Wackers said. Lots of players in Bakersfield who are worth contemplating, but from a defensive side, my guess is it'll probably be Gleason again, and maybe he'll play this time. We'll see. Oilers really have done themselves a lot of favors in the last little while. Do you know that if they won, they've got four games in hand on Vegas. If they won all of them, they'd be two points behind. Now, I'm not saying they will, but they've made up a lot of ground on teams. L.A., who have been hotter than a firecracker, are five points ahead of the orders. But in their last 10 games, they have 10 points and the orders have 14. That's how Bettman's NHL works. So you're, you're gaining four points every, every 10 games, but they have time and they are not losing a lot. And the Kraken are 8 0 and 2. My goodness. This is a wild ride, man. This this Pacific Division is fun, and unless you're in it, it's fun. But credit where due, and uh, uh, LeBron's article today in the Athletic really has a lot of insight into you know what the orders did and how far they were behind and how long they waited to make a coaching change. And I've always been a big fan of Jay Woodcroft, and wherever he goes, I hope he has great success. But it's really hard to argue. With how well Chris Knobloch's uh, uh, insertion into the head coaching uh, job, and we'll include uh, Paul Coffey in that as well, and Mark Stewart, it really has been an exceptional turnaround by this organization in the last little while. And I know you're saying, well, that's what's supposed to have happened, and I get it, but you can't just turn on a dime, and they did. That's big damn news. And so credit where due, this organization is 
right now, I mean, the season's not going to end today, but if the season were ending today, you would have to give them a legit shot to win Stanley because they're playing so well. And it's not just one line or two lines even that are playing well. I mean, Sam Gagne is ready, and he didn't get into the lineup. I think he will on the road, and maybe we'll see a defenseman on the road. And I bet we see Calvin Pickard on the road as well. Calgary Flames have placed Kevin Rooney on waivers to get him back onto the roster. Um, He was on LTIR. He's an interesting player. He's a center. And he had shoulder... uh, uh, Jacob Peltre has been activated uh, and assigned to the Wranglers. He's an interesting player. You know, the Flames have... I had a conversation with, oh, darn it, I can't remember who on the weekend about the Flames. And there's a sense among the people who are writing about and around around the Flames that they really do have to off offload some players and try to get somebody who's an impact player because Gaudreau leaving, Kachuk leaving has left them uh, without a driver, without a, a somebody who can push the river. And I always like to see the Flames being competitive, always. When they're not, I don't think the Oilers are... Um, have, they've only ever won when the Flames are good. And so... Or even made the finals when the Flames are good. I don't know how this is going to work. Maybe it'll work like a charm. I don't know. But I like when the Flames are competitive. Hello? All right. Uh, this comes in from our text line at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Do you think Nashville makes Saros available with Askarov waiting in the wings? Does Broberg in a first round pick get it done with Campbell included? I, I don't. I don't know why they would trade Saros. I. I'm. Uh, you. You want to. Escarov, I mean, he's he's coming and he might be something, but you've already got something. You've got a proven goaltender. Everybody's looking for that. I I really doubt that. I don't think that's a this year deal for the Nashville Predators. Soros has another year left at five million. Kevin Lankinen is the backup right now at two million. Escarov is is still in his entry level deal. He's playing well. He's a good player, but I don't think you. There's no reason to have to run that risk. And most franchises are risk-averse as it pertains to goaltending. It's good that they're winning, but it's cup or bust, quite honestly. If they don't win, who cares? They're in the window. Uh, Nylander just got $12 million. They ain't going to... Uh, uh, they're not getting dry to stay in the damn cup, so we can be happy. I don't I don't know where you're going, Dean. You're all over the place. So you're, you're, you're saying it's good that they're winning, but it's cup or bust. Well, they can't win the cup today. What they can do is they can win today, and they are. They've been winning the last, you know, 25 games, 22 games. So I understand your frustration, but when you say, give me a bleeping break, buddy, you're, you're, you're asking me to talk about something that's impossible. The owners can't be in the Stanley Cup final today. They can win, and they have been. Low tide, all the coaches, yes. And what about all the people that turn on the goalie coach? He should get kudos today. Sure. I, I'm not one of the ones who turned on the, co- I never understood why people were so mad at Dustin Schwartz. It, it's, it's, there's a, there's a sort of a, a gang mentality online where right now I, I see everybody pushing Evan Bouchard, uh, to be like a Norris candidate. And I'm like, I, I just don't, I don't see that happening because he, he started poorly. 
And so in the, the beginning of the year, the, there was a, a, what's going on with Evan Bouchard? He's making mistakes and they're all end up in the back of the net. Well, that's part of the season. So as well as he's playing now, and I admit he's playing very well, along with Matthias Ekholm. I mean, I think if you're going to vote for the Norris Trophy, you probably vote for Ekholm. If you're, if you're, you know, p- picking one Oiler defenseman, I would pick Ekholm. When he's been healthy, he's been brilliant. That's just my opinion. That last part wasn't supposed to be in there. Okay. All right, Dean. <laughs> but I stand by my case. There's nothing that I can do. I'm, I'm talking about what I said was if the, if this playoff started today, the orders, because of how well they're playing, they would have to be given a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup. And I stand by that. Now, by the time it gets there, I mean, the Eagles were 10 and one or some damn thing and they finished one and five. So the season is long and we don't know what Edmonton's going to look like when the playoffs begin. So you, there you go. That's, that's what I was saying. Low Tide, uh, Rachel, you just had on very informative. She tells it as she sees it. Robert isn't an NHL defenseman in any organization outside the orders. Sign Heffy. I don't agree with that. Uh, that's not what she said. Um, uh, boys, Alan Walsh sent out a, a, a tweet about the NHL would be better with a luxury tax and a hard cap. I think he's right. Um, I think he's right, question mark. I, I like, I... I think it's a, I think that would be a way for big market teams to become more, um, influential in the marketplace. And I think we'll probably end up going there. But I think the current situation is good for fans because it's highly competitive. That's what I will say. Everyone should vote Zach Hyman to the all-star game. Well, he certainly deserves it. I don't know if it, because I don't know how many you can, you know, back in the old day, Glenn Sather would just add everybody. One year it was, Fuhr, Moog, Coffee, Lowe, maybe Randy Gregg, Anderson, Messier, Gretzky, Curry. I don't know, maybe Crucial Niski. There was like 10 guys. And he said, well, they all deserve it. And he, you know, he it's funny. God, I love slats. He was awesome. I don't understand why all the people hate Dustin Schwartz. Don't blame the Maple Leafs goalie coach. When's the last time they had a decent goalie? Look, the, the Dustin Schwartz thing is, like, I, um, the orders don't talk to me, and good that they don't. But if I had a, a line to Daryl Cates, I would say, this is like the worst kind of thing to react to. Not that he ever would react to it. But this is like somebody said, you know, the Oilers haven't won in a long time, and Dustin Schwartz has been here a long time, and everybody else has been fired, so he's the problem. Uh, like, the, the logic there is, is, I, I mean, I can't even explain it. I, it doesn't make any sense. Stuart Skinner is a success. Remember earlier in the year when everybody was hammering on Stuart Skinner? And I said, guys and girls, you know, Stuart Skinner will be fine. He's going to be a good goaltender. I don't know if he's going to be a starter for 10 years. I don't know if he's going to have a Devin Dubnik career. I don't know if he's going to have a better than Devin Dubnik career. But I do know that when you get mad at him for not winning a series against Vegas, who went over, went on to win the Stanley Cup, he was gaining experience in that, in that situation. And the Oilers lost the series to Vegas based on two periods. Game six, second period, game 
Game five, second period. Game six, second period. They win those two periods. They win the Stanley Cup. They're close. And Skinner was a part of that. So keep your powder dry on firing the coaching, uh, the, the goalie coach and getting rid of the goalie. That's what Ken Holland did. And now that position is not the, the, the difficult one it was earlier. For me anyway, the Edmonton Oilers have played this pretty well. They didn't panic. They didn't overreact. They did keep their powder dry. I th- I would give them. I had picked them to win the Stanley Cup, and then I gave them up for dead. That is a fact. I was watching uh, the Buffalo Bills sent out this fantastic tweet today, where they had like national guys saying this team's dead in the water. They got no chance, and then local guys saying everybody wanted this quarterback, and look what he's done. He leads the league in intercept. It's just they're pummeling the Bills, and the Bills send it out, and they said we've saved all the evidence. It was hilarious. The owner should do that. It's funny. Made me laugh. Asking uh, anyone asking for a luxury tax clearly isn't paying attention to the Major League Baseball from Maple Jed. Well, that's what I mean. Big markets would benefit from from that change, um, but I think big markets are always pushing to take advantage of their big marketness. I would, if I was walking around with a fat wad of bills like Declan does every he comes you should see him come into the building it's such a swagger it's like hey let the good times roll and he's got a posse with him who's the who's the uh who's your person today uh a work experience young man what, what's his name we have a gentleman by the name of Donovan in today Donovan and what is Donovan's job aside Donovan, from not being in the room when I'm talking he's going to be doing a little bit of everything I think okay. Donovan and, is here to uh be a man of many traits is Donovan a good guy Donovan seems like a great guy. We had a sports seems rapid fire like with him earlier. I, people say that about me all the time. You know, he seems like a nice guy. And then there's a comma and then it drifts away and people yeah. are left to make their own collusion. So you say Donovan seems like a nice guy. Well, I mean, I've only met him for, you know, a few well, minutes earlier this morning, but he seems great. Seems, very seems great. I mean, he seems great. He's probably, I'd go ahead and say there's like a 95% chance he's already better at this job than I would be and if he was the, here. The 5% is what we linker on. Yes, definitely. the 5% is why I'm not giving it up just yet. <laughs> well, I can't do anything to create any kind of chaos here, so I guess we'll move on. Um, it's interesting how you're such a big Broberg supporter. Um, have not seen a lot to support that. Actually, the opportunities that he's had in Edmonton, he's played well. When he was a regular, he played well. He played in a in a very sheltered uh, part of the roster, but he played well. And he's playing lights out in Bakersfield. Look, we don't have to agree on this, but I will absolutely say that I believe Philip Broberg is an NHL defenseman. And we'll see. The great thing is, in life, we're going to see that play out. I believe Broberg is an NHL defenseman. A lot of you do not. Let's find out. Over the next five years, we will. We will find out. Maybe not in Edmonton, but we'll find out. I truly believe Carter Hart will be an oiler by the end of the trade deadline. Local guy, buddies with Skinner. That's a big investment, though. <laughs> I don't know. It would take a lot to get him out, I think. Ekholm, he played like crap the first 20 games. No, he didn't, and he was injured. He was getting back into the swing of things. That pairing is is money right now. There's so many teams. Declan's almost an NHL defenseman now. No, but I think he's close to being Mark Spitz. 
Declan, do you know who Mark Spitz was? Yeah, he was a swimmer, of course. Okay, of course right. I knew Mark well, I didn't Spitz. know. I mean, it's almost without goggles and without a cap, which is very impressive for the era. Who's the guy, the American, or the, the, I, I care, was it Bob Costas who basically implied that he had gills? Like the, I love the Americans because they go so far with their, uh, adulation of their athletes yes uh, i remember one time bob costas at the olympics couldn't stand could not stand that donovan bailey beat michael johnson so he and, and then michael johnson won the 200 meters so he brought out a slide rule to figure out if either of the 100 meters that michael johnson had had uh, uh, run was faster than donovan bailey's 100 meters and i'm like oh my god are we really gonna listen to this but that's america god love him they are in like Flynn with all of their people. We can learn from that. Okay. This is a very busy show. I don't know if we can get it all crammed in here. We could if I shut up. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details on the way. Jason Greger, Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440 with the Lowdown. It's Alan Mitchell and Declan Kruger. And aha! Aha! As George would say on Seinfeld. I always like that song. Do you hear the typing? It's so, it's like, it's just powerful. The man has like magic fingers. Thank you. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> you know, sometimes I say stuff and you don't respond, but that you're right to it. I was happy to hear that one. That was a nice little ego boost. Well. I have to say that uh, that I enjoy working with you. I really do. I'm sorry that this Donovan guy is coming in and replacing you. But hey, I'm it's sure all good. You, you know, you know, he might be replacing you, Al. Well, that could be. I mean, you Just know, saying. I'll tell you what. I never, ever, ever. I worked in radio for 44 years, and every time I take a holiday, the format changes. So you never know. But thank God for Jason Greger. I think we're okay. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, Al. You good? Now, are you? Are you? How's the hair? It's less than a month, Al. Play oh. less than a month. So you were in a toque today. Mm-hmm. The moment that you shave it off, are you going to be walking around here like you know? Well, no. Winter's, see, here's the thing. Uh, usually, I wear a toque okay. pretty much from November to February anyway, because it's cold right. out, right? Sure. So that wearing the toque, you know, I don't wear it during the show. That's kind of the deal. So that's fine. But, uh, it's minus 10 out, buddy. I'm not walking around with no toque on. Come on. It's chilly. <laughs> um, I will say you wear it well, though. You have done very well here. You took it like a man. And I think nobody can, nobody can rip you on it. Like, well, you can go and hide. They can rip the look. That's for sure. There's, well, lot, uh, there's lots of laughs right now. Well, so. because, because, because. People aren't used to it. It's a it's new true. look. You oh, know. Yeah, it's a bad look. Let's well, call it what it is. Like it is. I'm not going. I didn't there. know my hair was that dark though. Like haven't had hair in a long time, so it's quite black in the back, which is surprising to me. It I bothers, think that's just the roots, though. I think if no. I grew it out, it would be go back to a little lighter. It's. It bothers me though that I don't see a lot of gray. It kind of irritates me. I gotta huh. say. Well, you know, 
That's no. uh, there's a li- there's a few, but yeah, no, it's pretty, it's pretty black. You know what? Hey, can't have everything, Al. Right? Uh, it's got the uh, it's got the wide open down the middle, right? Well, so the power alleys are pretty pretty bare. It's there's plenty of blacktop. Yeah. So um, let's talk about recalls because we ha- I don't think we've seen the name yet. But if you had to if you had to if you were in Vegas and you had to make a bet about the defenseman recalled, who would it be? Well, I'm guessing it would be Deneen or Gleason would be my guess. Um, the fact that they haven't done it yet makes me think they're just looking to accrue as many days of cap space, right? Like if you yeah. have no, now the orders, you know, Cody Cece took a puck in the face and luckily nothing dangerous. Uh, Bouchard, uh, ate the uh, end boards yeah. and, uh, you know, got the most painful stitches right at the, the base <laughs> of his nose there. It's not, a, it's not a guy. I remember he was just like, God, I don't want to go get stitches. Like he knows it was going to hurt because you yeah. can only freeze it so much there. And, um, Kulak's being banged up, but not enough to keep him out. So, you know, they've, they've kind of been on the, the brink of maybe having to recall somebody, but if you can wait and like, hey, no offense, you could probably, and I know that Calgary lost to them, I get it, yeah. but come on, the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, the lineup that they're going to ice tomorrow night, uh, the Ford group they had last game, Al, had $13.9 million combined, yeah, combined, no. like that's crazy, so that's just, when you've got $38 million, and Seth Jones maybe comes back, but that's not a forward, so I, I could see how they're looking, say, you know what? Why do we have to bring up a guy to sit in the press box for two games? And if they get somebody hurt in Chicago, they can always fly him from sure. Bakersfield to Detroit yeah. if if need be. And, you know, he wouldn't practice. So it's not ideal. Don't get me wrong. It's not ideal. And maybe maybe they're going to wait, Al, and just announce the recall tomorrow because save every possible day. Sure. And they've put the guy yeah. on a flight early tomorrow, like first thing tomorrow morning. So he arrives in Chicago uh, at 10 a.m. or something. They yeah. could they could do that. As I go through the the, the games that we've seen here, uh, and they're not playing a lot, as you've mentioned earlier, but they're playing, I think it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for a while now. Um, you know, the, the, the needs change. I mean, center maybe over winger because of McLeod. Uh, the goaltending, I mean, do you think they would run? Do you, what are the odds you think they would run with Skinner Pickard, like, through the deadline and not not acquire a goalie. Well, I would say the odds on that are probably like 40%. Okay. I, I don't think it's that grossly low, um, especially, like, I won't be surprised at Pickard. If it's me, I'm playing Pickard tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and then it's the easiest of the three games on the trip. And then Skinner gets, you know, from Saturday till Thursday off. So that's good. Yeah. And he plays two games and probably three. Then Because what I would do is I'd play him then the next three. And I would play, although it's Toronto, Seattle, maybe. But he's gonna Pickard's going to have to play one of the Seattle or Calgary games, yeah. right? I would think. And then maybe even one of the final week games, too. Like, they only play three games a week. I know that. But you don't want Stuart Skinner playing too many of these games because when you get to the final 37 games, I looked at the schedule. Like, realistically, he maybe can play 22 of them right. unless you want to completely overburden him right. with all the games he's already played, right? So that's going to be their balancing act. So let's say Pickard continues to play well. Well, when you look around the league, Martin Jones had four consecutive years of sub-900 save percentage. Now he's in Toronto, and he's playing lights out, albeit small sample size. So which goalie can you go out and acquire that you say, okay, this guy is for sure guaranteed better than Pickard? Because I'm not sold 
the James Reimer is guaranteed for sure going to give you that much better. You might be better off say, you know what? Let's use our cap space and improve our, our we need a right winger. Yeah. I think that's what they need. Yeah. Right? They need a right winger. Um, I don't see McLeod as a third as a as a left winger, to be honest. I think he's gonna go back to three C. But I think they could upgrade their fourth line mm-hmm. for sure. I think I would like some more size if it was me yeah. on the fourth line, especially if you're facing Vegas in the in the playoffs. So uh, I, if you can use your money there and get, say, guess what? We're going to roll the dice a bit between Pickard, Rodrigue, and Campbell and think that one of those three will get hot at the right time that we need him to be a backup in the playoffs. Yeah. Any thought, McKeon was a pain in the ass the other night. I know they looked at him a couple, a year or so ago. Any possibility that might be the fourth now, line does, guy? I think he has an extra year, doesn't he? Okay. Maybe. Right? Yeah. So I haven't looked. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's, if he's league minimum, you know, what that's not going to cost you very much. I, I don't like, hey, McKeon can skate yeah. for sure. Doesn't finish a lot, right? Like I, when I look at Vegas, and I looked at their fourth line last year. Like you've got guys on there that are big and can skate, but can also contribute, yeah. right? So that's to me. Like look at Nick Bukestad. He brought the orders lots of size, and he produced. Yeah. Right. Like it's funny. I looked at the orders. You know, their center iceman because McLeod was a center and Bukestad, and I know that they switched lines at different times in the postseason, but those guys all played thirteen plus minutes. Yeah. Right. And. I'm not sold that Gagne or Derek Ryan or James Hamlin are guys that you're going to have playing 13 and a half minutes a night in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I think Holloway, they're playing him. They're going to play him in center down to the far. He might be your fourth line option. Exactly. Now. I, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't no. be opposed to that as a fourth line center. Like I don't, now it's a lefty, so you don't have a righty, but you know, if, if Ryan's a right winger, he can obviously take the, the, those face offs for you on the penalty kill and stuff. So, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see Holloway and I'll say this. I would keep Dylan Holloway. If he's going to play center, Al, then I'm keeping him in the minors for six weeks. Right. So he gets used to, you know, the muscle memory of playing center ice again. Because it's it's a big responsibility. Now, I don't think it's fair to think Holloway's can be a third line center mm -hmm. when he at the playoff time when he hasn't done it. Could he be a third line center in the future? Yes. Do I think he can be a third line center this postseason with limited third line experience at the NHL? I'd question it. Yeah. And one thing about Ryan McLeod, but when he got called up finally, when he was ready to come up, he had played a lot in the AHL on special teams, both special teams. He was transporting yes. the puck in and out. I'd like to see Holloway because he's never dominated the AHL. No, hasn't played enough. Yeah. And yeah. so I'd like to see him play, you know, 20 games if he can. Edmonton doesn't need Dylan Holloway right now. You know when they need Dylan Holloway? Is maybe in mid-March to the end of the season, right? No. They don't need him right now. They got a super light schedule and they're playing great hockey. Eventually, you know, some of the things might, you know, you might see a little bit of regression, although I don't think there's going to be a massive regression because Edmonton's top six guys are really good. They're top five, right? Like they need, ideally you'd like to get another legit top six winger, but you know, maybe Fogel's that guy for, for a two-month span. It sure. can, it's happened before. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think that they could use is, and this isn't bringing in a player, but, um, you know, I, I'd like to see Evander Kane healthy. I think he's a very fine player, but I think we have not seen him healthy totally. Uh, and, boy, if he could if he could hit the ground running uh, in the playoffs and be completely Evander Kane, that would be a big advantage. Oh yeah, they'll be, be a huge help. I think, you know what, the, the orders have a break here from the 27th to February 6th, right? He's playing obviously a little nicked up, nothing crazy, but you know, he'll, he'll be a benefactor of it and they'll need him. 
because yeah. we I've discussed it many times. You know, thirty-seven games in seventy-three days. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty wild stuff. Uh, let's talk a little uh, football. I don't want to talk about the Eagles. Uh, Why not, Al? What's uh, really? <laughs> hey, when you lose five of six down the stretch, isn't that what you want going into the playoffs? You, sure? I, they, you know what? I think they got old. I think they. Uh, you know, I love Brandon Graham. I love Fletcher Cox. I love Lane Johnson. I love Jason Kelsey. But they're old. They played a lot, and they yeah, played a long time. Some of their play calling to me is very questionable lately. <sighs> I know it's uh, well. I, I'll always have you know the the, the full Super Bowl. Uh, Buffalo Bills, like there's so, how could you win being that K? I know they're a fine yeah. team, but my God, they're just it's it's like they go okay, let's just be completely off the rails. Yeah, like jo- jo- that interception that Josh Allen threw in the end zone. I'm like, what? Like that wasn't even like maybe there's some miscommunication. But Gabe Davis didn't look like it was ever at a point where he was going to be where that ball went. Yeah, ever. So the thing about Josh Allen, the Bills, they can beat. I think they could beat almost any team. But there's no team I think of all the playoff teams that better at beating themselves or making it hard on themselves than the Bills. Yeah. And there, you can't turn the ball over that many times that frequently and expect to win games long term. I know they've got a really good record in December and January for a long time, but you've got to reduce your, your turnovers. And so, you know, now they get in the, uh, the postseason and like the Steelers, they get a break because Watt probably isn't going to play. No. Right. But the Steelers, man. That team, like they just, there's something about them. Like that's not going to be an easy out. I think the Bills are favored for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. Miami, I was an interesting guy. They got a tough one now, right? Yeah, they do. They right. do. But if they win that, I mean, the, not that they are going to, but, yeah. you know, you're going to have to go to the. Because it's not like the Chiefs, like Tyree Kill, the Chiefs, that's a good matchup. Mm-hmm. I, I look at. It'll uh, be fun anyway. The, uh, you know, the Browns. Probably, uh, you know, are, you know, the Browns in Houston. That's yeah, going to be fun. It's interesting because of the whole, like, think about all of the, the players Houston got from that trade for Deshaun Watson. I know a lot. And Deshaun Watson, not only is he a piece of dung as a human being, he has not been very good as a quarterback. They're way better without him. Yeah. And, like, what if the Browns win that game out? Say the Browns win with Joe Flacco. What do you do next year? Yeah, like, to me, I just come into the season and say, Watson, you're starting on the bench. Boo-hoo. Right? Like, I don't care how – because you're paying him either way. You're paying him either way. So you might as well pay the guy – you might as well play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Do you – what was that? It's a sub pump or something. Wow. I'm just – I'm used to the the, – do you ever notice the aroma rising up from the – Store downstairs every once in a while. Oh, Cinnabon? Are you kidding me? Yeah, Cinezeo <laughs> all the time, Al. Like, you, I can't even walk by there because it's just like, oh, it's just like that wave it comes right to your face and you're just like, oh, I got to go down there and yeah. have them. So. Well, I'm always on the way to the Lego store, so I just drop by. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have a dark horse for the NFL playoffs, a team that you go, maybe it's Cleveland, I don't know, but um, they played so well, I, number one defense, I don't know if they'd be a dark horse, but is there a team that you go, man, you don't want you don't want to face them because they are peaking at the right time. The team that I'm very intrigued to watch is Houston. Mm-hmm. CJ Stroud, man, like uh I wonder how many drinks Tepper's thrown in the privacy of his own home knowing that they didn't pick him. Um and I know it's early, it's only one year from the draft, so you know, let's yeah. let's pump the brakes on it a bit, but still CJ Stroud has been unreal yes. for uh, for Houston this year. And if they didn't have all those injuries, like you like I think that you're kind of get a little bit lucky that you're not facing them when they're fully healthy, but I just, you know what? I I like their story. Um out in the uh in the NFC mm, like, like 
The Eagles, though, I don't trust them. I think no. the 49ers are good. I think the Cowboys are good. The problem is they're two worst games games against really good teams. So you want, and they're not good on the road. No, That's the other not. thing. But I will, uh, you know. The L.A. Rams, man. Well, I, they won. I mean, that was yeah, wild. No, there's right? no McCaffrey, so that's a that's a pretty big. Uh, yeah, and, and that's why I've always said I think you know when there was all the talk about Purdy, I'm like I don't even think he's the MVP in his own team. <laughs> I thought McCaffrey was the MVP <laughs> for his team anyway. So um, the the Rams, I don't know. There's something about the Rams. I could see them being a tough out. I love it. Okay, what's coming up on the show? Uh, Bethel Thompson will be uh, okay, joining us on the uh, on the program. Of course, a new quarterback of the uh, the, the Green and Gold. Uh, also, we're going to look at the uh, the orders. Al, we're going to dive into some of the numbers. Real positive for the orders. Obviously, they're fifteen and three in their last eighteen games. Yeah, but there's one element of their game, Al, specifically one player, who, as great as he's been, clearly there's significant room for improvement when it comes to shooting the puck from number ninety seven, Connor McDavid. Right now. Second fewest, second lowest shot per game in his career. Only lower was his rookie year. Really? Yeah, he's down to like 306, 3.06 shots per game this year. Like if you go look at the top scores, McDavid has 104 shots, right? Amongst like the top six, eight scores in the league. The other guys are anywhere from 159 to 178. Wow. Like, and now last year, when he shot the, he was shooting Shoot almost a, a shot and a half more per game. And we saw it last game. It really got magnetized. Like there's those two on ones. Like he was in a, he really tried to force that puck to dry settle. He yeah. easily could have. Now I'm not telling McDavid how to play. And by the way, he has 38 points in his last 18 games. Yeah, so, so he's not good. playing poorly at all. <laughs> at all. He's got 30 assists in 18 games. Pretty damn good. Yeah. But at certain crunch times, think about McDavid when he gets back to shooting. Cause I think he will. It just makes them more dangerous, right? Yeah. And what, what makes them more dangerous is now all of a sudden teams have to respect it, yeah. right? Cause I watched, I thought Ottawa, they cheated to the pass twice on those two on ones and McDavid still tried to force it through, yeah, you're right? right? He's always been a natural pass first guy. Last year was different. And I think because, and he only has, I think, eight goals five on five this year. I like it's, it's way down. Yeah. That's a good sign because I, do I think that he's only going to have eight more the rest of the way? I do not think so. Yeah. So uh, some interesting numbers. And did you know the orders are only the ninth team in NHL history, Al, to have won, who have had three separate winning streaks of seven games or more in the span of 43 games, which is what they're currently on right now. They, the orders of uh, 84, 85 also did it. Mm-hmm. But they could become only the third team ever to have three separate winning streaks of eight-plus games in a 45-game span if they uh, win tomorrow night against Chicago. So we'll talk about some of the numbers the orders are on. Do they get to 10? Like, do they get to... They got a really good chance. Like, let's be honest. I I think the Detroit game might be the toughest one for them. Yeah, I agree with that. Look forward to the show. Thank you, Jason. Jason Greger coming up at 2 o'clock. On the way, it's Mama MMA. From our friend Declan, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, and you know that music. It's time for Mama MMA with our friend Declan. But before we do that, I just want to draw attention to uh, Declan always waves at people when they go by. And just I now, do. I noticed a huge, like this was like. It wasn't a regular wave. The mother of yeah. all waves. It was and a it big was one. Because your family is here. They are. They're standing oh. right right behind us there. I'm, oh. I'm giving them a wave now. They're not. Oh, we got one back. Okay. Yeah. So that's why also if you didn't, the, the audio was a little messed up there. The bumper oh. ran over the song. That may, was me. I, may I ask who's, who the person with the Moses beard is? That is my step grandfather. Okay. Step grandfather. Right. And they've yes. left. Yeah. Well, I told them come back at 157. We'll be off the air. They didn't want to stand around and just ogle, I guess. So, you know, that's well, okay, though. I mean, I, I was going to go out and say hi to them. 
and oh, tell them that well, you... Well, you know, you, you could. If there was no, ever a time no, to no, do no. it, it would probably be the well, Mama m and I, I want them to enjoy themselves, oh. themselves, and they probably came to see you anyway. That's very sweet of you. So, uh, MMA, you said there's some big events announced on the weekend. There were some huge fights announced. So UFC 300 got a number one contender fight between former champion Charles Oliveira and one of the hot young studs of the sport, Armin Sarukian. Armin Sarukian is coming off a first-round knockout against Benil Dariush, another guy who was incredibly ranked. But Neil, before dropping that fight to Armin, he was on a eight-fight win streak, I believe it was, but he lost to Charles Oliveira. He was also knocked out in the first round. So these are two guys who are at the top of the food chain. The winner is expected to get the next lightweight title shot against Islam Makhachev. Islam Makhachev is a Sambo master out of Dagestan. He has an incredible wrestling base. He's fought Charles once already, uh, beat him in a title fight, and he fought Armin in Armin's UFC debut. So he's All seen right. both these guys. He knows them very well. But this is an incredible fight. Th- these guys are your favorite fighter's favorite fighter type of guys. Okay. Very exciting, incredibly skilled. It's going to be an incredible fight and on, inc- on an incredible card. The uh- Oh, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. I... I- I was, I'm sorry, I, when you said, I thought you said Olivetti, and I was going to think I was going to go into a typewriter uh, rant, but I won't because it's Oliveira. The other fight that was announced was a five-round co-main event at UFC 299 between Dustin Poirier and a French gentleman by the name of Benoit Saint-Denis. Now, Benoit Saint-Denis, in his, in his first fight in the UFC, he fought a guy by the name of Elisio Oleski. That's a long name. Yeah, I just butchered it, too, so that really shows how much I know. I'm losing credibility here by the second. But he fought a guy by the name of uh, Aleski Dos Santos, up a weight class at 170. He got battered and brutalized on on way to losing a lopsided decision in that one. Now, Dustin Poirier is a guy who, ever since the two Conor McGregor fights, has built himself to a place in the sport where he doesn't necessarily need to fight these rising contenders. Right. He, he can pick the big money fights, the fights that excite him. He's had a title fight since then, which he lost. He's fought two very exciting guys with a lot of fanfare and Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. Benoit Saint-Denis is a guy who is incredibly dangerous. He's on a five-fight win streak since moving down to lightweight with five stoppages, and he is the type of guy that Dustin Poirier never signs to fight. He has a lot of skill and very little name and Dustin Poirier doesn't get a lot for winning this fight. He's ranked number three. Benoit Saint-Denis is ranked number 12. If he wins this fight, people are going to look at the numbers and say someone who may not watch the sport so much is going to look at the numbers and say, yeah, he was supposed to beat him. He was the number three ranked guy in the world. But anyone who knows knows how dangerous Benoit Saint-Denis is and knows how much Dustin Poirier loses stands to lose from this fight. Uh, Montana DeRice says, what happens with Gethji? Now, Gaethje, Justin Gaethje, Justin Gaethje knocked out Dustin Poirier in his last fight out at UFC 291 to win the symbolic BMF title fight. I think, I think Justin Gaethje, Justin Gaethje probably fights for the undisputed title. The problem is he's lost the undisputed title fight twice now, albeit it was not against Islam Makhachev. One was against Charles Oliveira. One was against Habib Nurmagomedov. But I just, I, I, you know, I think there comes a point where you're 0-2 in title fights. How many more do they keep giving you? Sure. I, I think this is his last shot. I think he's going to get one against Islam Makhachev. I think Islam would be an overwhelming favorite. And after that, I think Justin, he needs to make a decision. He needs to say, I've probably capped out. I'll be Owen. This is all obviously in this scenario. Sure. He'll say, I'll be Owen three in title fights, but I've fought some great guys. I've put together a hell of a highlight reel. 
how much more do I want to do this? Because another thing is Justin Gaethje's fight style is not conducive for long-term health. Justin Gaethje, this is a, this is a quote by him, and you know this might not be an exact quote. This is loosely translating, but he says, every time you fight me, we're going to be in a car crash, and I'm going to be the one initiating it. Jeez. And that's exactly how he fights. He fights with – he's gotten a little smarter in past years, and a lot of credit to his coach, Trevor Whitman, for that. But he fights with reckless abandon. He leads with the chin a lot. He throws wild, and he has gotten better. And I, want to, I don't want to take anything away from him, but he fights – fight style that is exciting for fans and not conducive to long-term health. Sort of like the Bills on the football field. This is from Supernova. Love the MMA segment. True story, there's a gym in New England called Mama's Basement. At least one UFC fighter is from there. Do you know about Mama's Basement? I'm not familiar with Mama's Basement. I do know some some very good fighters out in New England. Calvin Cater, who is a UFC featherweight, and Rob Fye- Rob Font, who are a UFC bantamweight, two very good fighters, both ranked in the top 15, have kind of capped out their skill sets, I would say. But it's, they seem to be doing something right in New England because those are two good fighters, and they've done pretty well for themselves given their capabilities. What's your opinion on the Joshua versus Nagano fight? Any predictions? That was the other big one. Anthony Joshua was supposed to fight Deontay Wilder on March 9th. Now, March 9th. Now, Deontay Wilder fought a guy by the name of Joseph Parker on Parker on Anthony Joshua's undercard when Anthony Joshua fought Otto Valine. The thought process was both of these guys are going to blow by these opponents and they're going to meet March 9th. Deontay Wilder lost and he didn't lose close. He got blown out of the water by Joe Parker, a guy he really shouldn't have ever lost to. So Francis Ngannou gets the call on the back of what he did in the Tyson Fury fight and he's going to go fight Anthony Joshua and I am so, so, so happy for Francis Ngannou because this is a guy Dana White was saying, yeah, he didn't want to be here. He fumbled the bag and now this guy is getting multiple tens of tens of tens of million dollar paydays to fight these boxers. It's incredible. I'm very happy for him. Can Francis Ngannou win? Listen, what we saw in the Tyson Fury fight, I think Francis Ngannou can stand there with anybody. I still obviously lean towards Anthony Joshua because he's the classically trained boxer and there are just things that come with that. The ability to work your jab a little bit better. You're not your footwork in the ring, knowing angles, knowing when to cut the ring, which Francis Ngannou is probably not very adept at, knowing how to get your back off the ropes, knowing how to slip and weave with a little bit more flow. Francis Ngannou probably doesn't have those little things down the way Anthony Joshua does, but what Francis Ngannou did, I can't ever write him off, and I'm very, very happy for him that he's getting these big paydays. The Juice says, who is Poirier fighting? Uh, Victor Faust, Valentin Zikov, which is a inside joke for this show because I could never say Faust. And you, oh. you, you gave a ripping version of that fellow's name. Well, Benoit Saint-Denis is the one who Dustin Poirier is going to be fighting. Benoit Saint-Denis fought Elisio Zaleski, Elisio Zaleski dos Santos. It's, he's got like six names in there. I can never get well, it. You he's did, a wealthy you got most Brazil. Of them. I mean, he, he used to be in the top 15. He's very good. Uh, but yeah, Dustin Poirier is fighting Benoit Saint-Denis, and it is a high, high risk. There, you, know, you know how they talk about high risk, low reward? Mm-hmm. This is high, high, high risk. Low, low, low reward for Dustin Poirier. I was talking to some people, you know, in my circle who who love MMA. We're all huge fans. We didn't get this one. We don't see any upside for for Dustin Poirier at all. It's a no name guy who's incredibly skilled. Benoit Saint Denis can only jump in the rankings. I don't get it, but credit to him. I love that you just added like a high and a low. You know, you you could have gone low, low 
or hi hi, but you just was just <laughs> you just added another one that was funny to me. Well, that's 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 how high high risk and how low low reward it is. I think I actually added another in the segment, but you no, did. that's where about it's you at. Three of them. It was pure comedy, is what it was. Uh, Taco Envy West, dear low tide. Every now and then, I go back and listen to the audio clip of your burnt toast rant. It was epic. I like to revisit it so I can remember how far we've come. Really, the the orders. It was this time of year when they were just they were just flat. They were. They were no good, and they are not that team now. I will give them full credit. Um, hey, Tide, what do you think about Declan's MMA day? You bring a listener and fight him uh, right here in the mall for Max. I wouldn't do that because Declan has a pretty face, and we don't want to ruin a potential television career, which may come. We do have a winner, uh, your old dentist. Uh, when are we going to get him on? Uh, he won that prize. That's a great question. I was um, asking you that. Obviously, I wasn't there that night when he won the auction. I uh, would love to get him in. Yeah, he's done. He's done some. He's done work. I was going to say he's done great work on my teeth, but I have pretty bad teeth, so I don't think I can give myself that. But uh, he, well, he's, he's done as much as he could. He's done as much as he can, yeah. absolutely, and I can't wait to have him in. I mean, like, it's it. Uh, are we talking about like shovels in there, or or uh, is this like excavating a mine? What what kind of situation is this poor fellow in? Couple fillings, nothing too crazy. Okay, well, um, you're fine. You're yeah. young. You can't be having. You know, you get to my age, you've done some things. You know. Uh, I think Holloway is a guy to trade in a deal for a top four D man. Are we? Did I answer all the MMA questions? I don't think oh, they're going to deal so. Holloway. I don't think they're going to deal him. I think they like him. I think they could deal Broberg before Holloway. A lot of questions about your family. I'm responsible for all of that, and I apologize. Watch out for the Rams of the dark horse. That's what Jason said. Gregor was talking about that. Um. Sometimes you send me stuff about Norwegian bands hitting the top of the charts, and I'm lost. Um, it's all about wearing the toque. Our heads get cold. Ball Brothers Unite. 600% of your body heat goes straight out of the top of your head if you're not wearing a toque in the winter. What? Declan is leaving? Not a chance. We wouldn't let that happen. No. No, We there's just no way. Declan is the, is the future. It's... Uh, it's just not going to happen. This is, you know what that reminds me of? When Canelo fought Floyd when Canelo was 23 years old, and they said, Canelo very well may be the fighter of tomorrow, <laughs> but he's not the fighter of today. Oh. You're still here, low tide. You're still holding it yeah, down. Yeah, well, because I have nowhere else to go. I mean, if somebody would just point me to the old folks' home, I would go, but I just, you know, I get my car and drive home every day. McLeod has had success as 3C. Uh, had zero success as three center and turned his season around playing the wing. What makes Gregor think things will change if he switches back? You know, Maple Jet, McLeod was a very successful third line center all last year. He got hurt. People forget this. He got hurt. And when he was healthy again, he was playing better. And now he's really come on. I think they could slide him into third line center. No problem. Uh, he has proven himself. And he's actually one of the few guys, few young guys on this team who has scored Without McDavid and without Drysaddle. He did it last year. He did very well. Um, I like the Declan MMA fight in the mall idea. Hmm. I mean, I'd, I mean, it's, I, it's great content. I would like to hold back on this, but if the people want it, there's not a lot I can do. Maybe we could get you to fight a bear or something. I'm not fighting no bears. No way. <laughs> no cerebral. What if we, what if we, what if we had I'd fight a, a gorilla before I fought a bear. <laughs> okay. Gorilla it is.
I think you might want to rethink that, but I'm glad you said it out loud and into a microphone. Thanks so much for tuning into the lowdown. We went a little sideways, as we always do. Have a great day. It's time for a sports update.